With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A passionate instigator and dynamic problem solver, Dr. Kevin Ross Emery, the host of the Dr. Kevin Radio Show, will be taking you outside the box, behind the curtain, and identifying the load of BS we are fed every day. And now, Dr. Kevin. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Dr. Kevin Show here on Home Time, where we're changing the world, wait for it, one ohm at a time. And this week, like every week, we're going to be taking our guests outside the box. We're going to have him pull back the curtain, and then we're going to have him share what he thinks is going on in the world today that's simply a load of crap. Uh, we're going to go through all of this uh, after we introduce him. But first, we're going to do our um, hot topic, our hot topic for the day. Our hot topic might warm the cockles of my heart or it might get me hot under the collar. I'm going to share that hot topic with you. Then we're going to bring on tonight's guest, introduce him. He gets to comment on it. And you, at any point, can comment by calling 202-570-7057. Because this is a live call-in show. Again, that's 202-570-7057. On the other hand, if you're, if you're more drawn to want to type or text or message, you can come to facebook.com backslash mydrkevin, M-Y-D-R-K-E-V-I-N. While you're there, make sure you hit the like button. I'm a likable guy. And you will see it posted at the top of it, tonight's guest, how to contact him, everything about it, and you can pop you can post in the comments, and we will also bring those on air. So they've started a new, you know, my, my hot topic is about the series that I've been following on NPR. And it is making me a little hot under the collar, um, the abuse and bullying that is happening from hospitals and our medical system. Uh, a current article that I just ran across was she went to the hospital for a cat bite. The bill was $48,512. There are all sorts of games that are being played. We talk about health care being a hot topic, Obamacare, is it going to survive, is it not? Is this administration going to come up with anything better, is it not? Um, but what we can tell you is there is horror story after horror story after horror story where insurance companies and hospitals and doctors are fighting back and forth, and we are the losers. We are the pawns. You go to a hospital that's covered on your insurance, it's being covered, uh, and yet you find, but their emergency room wasn't, but the hospital was. Or this particular part of the practice wasn't, but the hospital was. But you go to that hospital because, you know, you're having a heart attack or you got hit by a bus, and you go into that emergency room and you find out that, well, that doctor wasn't covered. And the insurance is going to cover that doctor. But it told you you could go to that hospital. This 
is a game at the expense of the American people. If the politicians in Washington want to do something, they need to really take all of that time and dogmatic energy they have in campaigning on getting elected, and even if that election is two, four, or six years away, because they're always campaigning and they always have time for lobbyists, but they don't have time for the poor woman that got a $48,000 bill for a cat bite, which her insurance isn't going to cover because there was some little loophole along the way. I'd like to invite Washington to maybe show some occasional integrity. We don't expect it on a daily basis. We don't expect it on a weekly basis. Hell, if we get any integrity out of Washington at all, the next sound you hear is our jaw dropping and hitting the ground. But what we do know is that we are being victimized from the healthcare system, from insurers, insurance, hospitals, doctors, and even the forced cattle, uh, they call them cattle shoots, that people get pushed into to make what is oftentimes not the best decision. So that's my hot topic for the day. Now that I have shared that hot topic with you, I am going to introduce today's guest. I'm going to drag him into this conversation. Wait a second. I think I just heard him hang up. No, no. Uh, and then we will start putting him through the Dr. Kevin Paces. Um, tonight's guest is Spencer Borzoff. Um, he is a serial entrepreneur, which means he goes from Captain Crunch to Lucky Charms, in case you were wondering, uh, a work-life balance analyst, a humorist, and author of Work Sucks, A Funny View of a Serious Problem. Um, I could think of a lot of other things that could have that a funny view of a serious problem, but we'll go with Work Sucks. Going to work every day when you hate what you are doing or who you can work, uh, who work for can be a huge challenge. What happens when you stay in place you simply feel is not a good fit? You need to have your head examined, but I'm sure he's going to get to that. Uh, what steps can you take to move on if you hate your job and you're not happy at work? So if you'd like to find, again, there's a lot more. And uh, if you would like to find out more about the book, you can go to worksuckthebook.com which I love the website. I love the title. Spencer, I love you. Come talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. Let me start by saying that I am honored to be on with you, Doc. It's one of the happiest days of my life, just behind all the days that I've quit a job. <laughs> so, Mr. Spencer, I am going to put Mr. Spencer, um, <laughs> I'm going to put you on. I'm going to put you um, on on the burner for my hot topic. What can we do about all of these abuses for healthcare? That that well, we, that the average American system person gets to get hosed by, screwed over by. What do you think? What are our choices? Well, Besides our choices. Right, right. I mean, our choices are we we need some altruistic people to do a deep dive into the system and not settle for the status quo. I mean, when you look at hospitals and our medical care system, I you know I, the big, in my mind, the biggest problem is that there's a gigantic conflict of interest, you know, between the, the business world and the care world. It's, you know, business versus actual, uh, you know, patient outcomes and care. It's money versus care. It's greed versus sympathy. There's just a gigantic conflict of interest in our healthcare 
industry. And uh, you know, if you get a bill for you know three point five million dollars, they better have saved your life. But uh, you know, it's truly a uh, miscarriage of justice is when you get the bill, and uh, you know, a relative has to pay it because you're dead, laying on a slab. Uh, medical error is one of the leading causes of death in this country. I think it's like number two or number three is a leading cause of death, medical error. So, you know, some very smart people with very altruistic goals, you know, needs to take a deep dive into this topic. And uh, people who are a lot smarter than I and figure something out. But, you know, uh, I am an advocate for change. Well, you know, you hit my you hit my you've got to have some smarts meter there spencer because you stopped letting your life be sucked dry by people that were taking advantage of you called employers so i, I mean you get that is you right. get some intelligent credits there <laughs> thank you talking talking to a man that's had his own business for 29 years mind you um ah, okay so spencer where would you like to take my listeners outside the box where would you like to expand some expand them in a way that's going to help them live a better life? Right. Well, you know, my subject of obsession, and you touched on it by mentioning the book I wrote, Work Sucks, A Funny View of a Serious Problem. You know, my so my obsession revolves around our labor-based society and improving our system. Um, and, you know, what an element that is always overlooked when dissecting why so many people hate their jobs is the alarm clock. And, uh, you know, actually getting up from a sadistic siren out of a sleep every morning to go to a place you'd rather not be, um, if you have to get up via an alarm to go to work, you're virtually doomed in regards to job enjoyment. You got virtually no chance of enjoying your work. Okay. And that's what I like to discuss. I mean, it is a topic when we talk about work that is never is never discussed, like how we get up every day and we get up out of a deep sleep. Uh, and sleep is one of the elite pleasures in life. There are very few pleasures that rival sleep and you know, that we're waking out of a slumber to most people who aren't passionate about their jobs to go someplace they don't want to be. And, you know, so it's a horrible way to get to get going on the day. Well, you know, and that's a very interesting way to look at it. A long time ago, excuse me, um, a long time ago, I made somewhere something picked in my brain. And even being my own my own boss and loving what I do, um, I still, there are days I still have to get up. And my thing is, it's very rare that my body will ever let me sleep to an alarm when I have to set one because it so despises mm-hmm. it. I'll, I'll always wake up 15, 20, 25 minutes before the alarm and I'll look at it and I'll go, okay, I said it just in case, but it's been so long since I've needed it. I don't even know why I bother anymore. But I think that there is, I mean, the other side is the real problem. I mean, I, I get this side of the problem of waking up to, you know, waking up to do another day at the rodeo and you don't like rodeos, um, that really does suck. But that's, you know, even even when you love what you do, and I'm assuming you love what you do. Do you love what you do, Spencer? 
some days, uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world, most days I did not. I hated what I do, uh, what I did. But when I'm writing and I'm working on uh, my craft, I love what I do. Yep. But, you know, if you have to go meet with an agent or got to go do a, a book signing or you have an early radio interview because the morning show wants you, you still have to set right. an alarm, right? <laughs> right. Now, a, alarm clock sabotage is a vicious killer of innate enthusiasm and high spirits. And so, like, men who climb mountains voluntarily can't climb out of bed in the morning when they must because they must. It's all about having to go somewhere. That alarm clock is indicative that you have no choice. It's stealing your freedom, and you become bitter because you have to go. And I think we can all agree that being forced to go somewhere diminishes the appeal of the destination. I mean, being forced to go somewhere, whether it be at gunpoint or a more benign necessity like going to work, but it's daily work coercion and it breeds contempt for a job regardless of the nature of the work to be done. Even if you like the work and even if you like the, uh, the, the responsibility, uh, you know, just getting up, it reminding you that you have to do it to feed your family or else your family starves. Uh, you know, breeds of bitterness. Yeah, well, my family has always tended has a ten, has always had a tendency to a slight weight problem, so they could starve a little bit. It wouldn't be all that bad. Uh, <laughs> there are some silver linings. <laughs> you got to always find the silver lining, right, Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> it surely is a lot healthier. <laughs> um, but so let's let's go let let's go back because you know we we do this program. Pavlov's dog training, starting with kids at two or three, daycare, yes. then pre-kidney garden, then kidney garden, and then school, and we we start robbing them of joy at an early age to try to hypnotize them into some kind of robotic, apathetic this is what my life is. No wonder depression is up. So what do you think? Should we start by maybe going back to what if we had schools that started at, you could start it at seven, you could start it at eight, you could start it at nine, or you could start it at 10. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Depending on the sleep and the body rhythm. Because some people are morning people. Some people wake up the minute the sun goes up no matter whether they have to or not. What do you think of that idea? I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, a, a good prescription 
for a better system is flexibility. You know, whether it be uh, starting young in life uh, in the you know in the school days, or if it's in the professional uh, arena. But flexibility, like those MasterCard commercials, uh, is priceless. Uh, and you know, the, the system can be and needs to be addressed. Uh, but uh, you know, and I think it, it applies to the working world. It could apply to the you know the academics. But, you know, like in college, there are students that have the opportunity to take a morning class at, you know, 8.45, or they can they could be in an evening class at 8.45 p.m. Or, and everything in between. Um, and, you know, those students have independence and flexibility, and, uh, you know, that's, that's largely the first time they get to experience any independence and flexibility like that. So I think it's a great idea earlier in life to have a swing shift, uh, you know, for different hours to begin education. Well, and if you, and if you extended the hours of, ex, uh, uh, because there is, there is a body rhythm, you know, you started with the torture of getting up to the alarm clock. And I always say that, you know, my, that Papa and my mom, Papa and mama, you know, I always wonder how I was ever conceived because, she thought that the day should good morning meant 11 to 12 and he got up at sunrise and he thought good night meant sunset. And she thought that a good night was partying until two. I, I never know how I got conceived with that coupling, but I did. Um, <laughs> so you, there is all of this body natural rhythm and tuning of, we all have our peak times and think mm-hmm. we could have smaller classrooms if we spread the classrooms out and said, who are our who are our morning morning doves and who are our you know afternoon bloomers and who even are our you know evening stars and if we play if we came up with a way to compensate that we could we could put more kids through in smaller classrooms by having by having that expensive that, that expansive time period thought yeah, and, and, you know, those, those students could get a lot more attention as well uh, as a, another silver lining to that type of a model uh, with smaller class size. There's more one-on-one or uh, specialized attention that would enhance learning as well. And, you know, I, it's a great concept. Uh, you know, I, I think you, could, you can't start too young. At flexibility, you know, like you said, we're brainwashed very early in life, you know, get up early and work all day. Uh, and it's pounded into us since, you know, ever since we open our eyes and Papa and Mama look down at you and open your eyes. It's, you know, same old, same old from first it's Papa, then it's you. Same old, same old, nothing's new. So... Well, we're coming up to our first break. I have Spencer uh, Borzov, uh, author of uh, Work Stuck. Uh, and we'll be right back. A funny view of a serious problem. Conscious Media for Conscious Minds. Om Times. Have you ever wondered how to change your love paradigm? The secret key is finding a love partnership, not just a regular connection. How do you find these? 
through conscious relationships. Ascending Hearts Dating is a dating site for people like you that believes in second chances and a different type of spiritual connection. Try Ascending Hearts for free today at AscendingHearts.com and change your love paradigm. Ascending Hearts, the premier dating community for the spiritually awake. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Omterms Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday, and together we can discover what's really going on. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Yes, hello, 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 and welcome back to the Dr. Kevin Show here on Own Times, where we are changing the world one own at a time. Tonight's guest is Spencer Borzov, uh, serial entrepreneur, work-life back, uh, balance analyst, humorist, and author of Work Sucks, a funny view of a serious problem. Spencer, did I scare you off, or are you still here? I'm still hanging on for dear life over here. Well, life should be dear. It should be dear and loving and kind and occasionally even venison. What do you think? Precious. Precious. We need to, you know, <laughs> take a deep breath of fresh air every once in a while. So um, this is a segment that I call Hind Curtain. Um, and it's where we want to pull the curtain back to expose people to what the reality behind a situation is that we've discovered isn't as it appears. Um, do you, uh, there, there is a little quiz. Do you know the quiz for this part of the show? I do not know the quiz for this part of the show. Well, then we're going to do it for you. So from what movie did this line come? Ignore the man behind the curtain. Well, that would be the Wizard of Oz. Yep. And that's the moment when the dog, I always love the fact it was the dog went and pulled the curtain back, and we saw that the right. rich and powerful Oz was just a shyster from Kansas who couldn't control the moon. So where do you want to pull a curtain back and show what's really going on to the world? Right. And then same with my theme of, you know, my book and my obsession. Uh, you know, the truth that has been misrepresented 
is that, you know, our labor-based system of working five days on and two days off, 40-plus hours a week, 50 weeks out of the 52-week year is a broken system. It is not the best system in the world, our labor-based system. And I've been in uh, many, many work environments. I've had 30 jobs by the age of 40, and I've never been fired. I've left every, every environment voluntarily because I've made myself a promise, never, never settle for a job that sucks. And uh, eventually they all do. And in all those environments, people are whispering for the weekend and counting down the minutes till 5 o'clock and um, screaming yabba-dabba-doo like Fred Flintstone when the whistle blows. And, uh, you know, we need to not settle for the same system and, and, you know, start looking at a better work-life balance so people can appreciate their lives. And, and, and this will not jeopardize uh, financial standing uh, and lucrative uh, spendings. It doesn't need to. We just need a better work-life balance, and what we have now isn't good enough, as I've experienced in all the different work environments with all the people I've worked with. There was a big move for a while where I started to catch on to do things more like flex timing. You can work for 10-hour days. I mean, it's still the 40-hour work model, but, you know, where they were trying to – and then it seemed to kind of – make an appearance and it got kind of popular and then you didn't hear about it as much. And a few companies have held on to it. They don't, I would not say that it's a majority. Um, what do you no. think? Why do you think that, that it didn't grab on when people started to try to innovate it? What was the reason it didn't explode in your opinion? Well, I, I really think it's back to, you know, what, what we had mentioned in healthcare. Um, it's it's greed. You know, it's we have in this country and, and don't and get me wrong. This is the best country in the world. Right. But there's you know, there's still room for Im- improvement. Uh, ice cream was delicious when there was only one flavor. But now there's a whole bunch. and It's even better. Um, and so, you know, there's we even achieve it at, at, all, at any cost mentality in, in this country. Um, and unfortunately, you know, um, people, people will, will do anything, will step on anyone to get ahead. Um, and I just think that, you know, a flex schedule, uh, you know, jeopardizes by, from, from the hierarchy, they, they look at it as jeopardizing production, jeopardizing, um, you know, the, the financial outcome of giving too much freedom and um, independence to, to people. So I just think because people need to earn a living that they only have so much power, um, you know, in small groups and that the, the hierarchy, you know, was is kind of threatened by that. And it, and it hasn't taken, I think that they, you know, ultimately there's pushback, but it's a, you know, it's a great idea. And I think the new generation, you know, nowadays, the younger uh, generation is, in fact, kind of making a push to go back to that. And there's still a lot of studies um, that say that, you know, people should work only four days a week or three days a week. So there's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of credence to that notion. Well, it's it's interesting because um, as you were talking. I, I wonder if it's as much about 
productivity because of special uh, schedules, uh, when they did research, showed that people were actually more productive. I always thought it was more of a power and control issue. I I can't I can't do bully down management if if you can come in after me and be here after I've gone and I can't terrorize you and you know and I can't play out all of my dominance games. I mean I I right. think that I've always wondered if that was what killed it in some of the dinosaur corporations that tried it. But I suspect if you look at companies that are owned, um, and some of them are big companies by 35 and youngers, that you have more creative workspaces, more creative scheduling, stuff like that. So so um, I think that, that you're spot on about the younger people are getting into places, the ones that get in places of power are recreating that. But so I'm wondering yeah. if it's more of a power and control issue than a productivity issue. I I agree with you actually, um, with power being such a central component to you know why it hasn't taken uh, root a little bit more firmly. I mean, you know, those people at the top of the hierarchy, you know, want to be able to control those subordinates. Okay, it's like you know I think work is the filthiest. Uh, word, four-letter word in the English language, and the second filthiest word is boss. And, uh, you know, the term is offensive. The concept is offensive, you know, to being told what to do by another person. Unless you're a masochist, nobody likes that. And um, you know, really, you know, in a work environment, you know, there's so many unqualified bosses out there who have power over people that have more experience and are hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are, um, more astute in their space than the bosses themselves. And, you know, really, I think there's only two types of bosses that should be uh, in, the, in, in this world. And one would be. You know, someone who, if I get up and shower and get dressed and drive to work and I arrive at the office, then I don't think another guy who gets up in the morning and gets dressed and drives to work should be my boss when he gets there. But if the guy got up and showered, and instead of getting dressed with slacks and, pant and a, a button-down shirt, he puts on a cape and a full-body leotard, and he drives and he flies unassisted above the traffic and lands on his two feet in front of the front door, that guy's boss material. He could be the boss of me. I'm okay with that. And uh, the other kind of boss that I would be okay with, if he talks like he has cotton between his cheek and gums, 
and hangs out with guys who are nicknamed Knuckles uh, and have pistols in their waistband, that kind of boss, I'm okay with that kind of boss. I'll take orders from that kind of boss. But other than the cape and the cotton guy, I don't want a boss. It's offensive to me, and I think we need to do away with bosses in the corporate world. Well, it's an interesting – I mean, my first, my first degree uh, was actually in business management. And, and boss, you know, and there's the boss, and there's boss. <laughs> and I think that there is a, a wide variety. I, I don't know that I agree with you about I want to I, I want to agree with the boss with the cotton in his mouth and that he that he is a as a as a mafia boss. I, I think we're having enough trouble having somebody that emulates a, a, a mob boss uh, in the White House. I, I don't think I would want to extend it any further than that. Um, right, but he's the only guy that makes sense taking orders from. As a grown human being, if that guy gives me an order, I can accept that because my life is in imminent danger. The corporate type of boss uh, and him bossing okay, me, that's now. my point. Yeah, I can't take okay. that. I can't accept the corporate boss. I can accept the guy if I feel like he's going to tie two cinder blocks to my feet and throw me in a river. I can accept that guy. He can tell me what to do. Until you escape. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. like you escaped all those jobs. Um, so what is, what is a better corporate way of doing it? Because you have people, and somebody, like I said, I, I, I had the title boss. I mean, I started having the title boss when I was 17, and I had it until I was 30, and then I – formed my own business, which is a way of being your own boss, but you're still the boss word. Right. But there, you know, but there are different, I mean, what's a better way? Because there is somebody who has to coordinate the workflow. There is going to be somebody that has to have the larger vision. There is somebody that's going to make the schedule or try to try to work with people. I mean, I, I feel like it's thrown maybe with the bathwater. So if there's something that I'm missing, Create your perfect your create your if you're going to do nine to five, if you're gonna play with Lily and Dolly and Jane, okay, and do nine to five, what's a better structure for it? What do we replace the boss with? Well, you know, I think grown people um are need need to be responsible for their own production, their own their own selves. Of course, there there's companies that are own you know have owners and owners have goals. Um, and I think it, there's it's there's a difference between owners and then bosses. So I think people in a work environment should understand what the goal of the company is, and if they agree to come on and take that job that they should be responsible for their own workflow, their their own output. And if it's good enough, he stays. And if it's not, then he goes. Uh, if he can't hit his goals. I mean, you know, I really think it starts with, with you know, taking a look at, uh, you know, at, at having better balance and independence and freedom, like you had mentioned, and um, and having people responsible. I mean, grown adults don't. I don't think they need to be managed. 
I think bad skin needs to be managed. A case of the hemorrhoids, that they need to be managed. But grown adults should be responsible when they accept a position to producing and meeting the, the goals that are set for them, no matter, you know, what their job is. And underqualified people that are over you and enforcing power and trying to fine-tune you like you're some type of Italian sports car, I don't think is a good recipe for, uh, for high morale in a work environment, in a workspace. No, a bad boss is a bad boss is a bad boss, boss. That's just the That's way right, that it goes. But there are, there are good bosses out there that will listen are- and concern and have the larger vision. I mean, I, I don't think that they're all bad. I'm a, I'm a, I never believe in all of everything about anybody. I always think, right. that, you know, as soon as you give me a rule, there's an exception. I'll, right. Now, I, I think, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say that of the, I think it's important to find the right work environment, and there are good bosses, and, you know, it's important when you interview to ask questions. Not always feel desperate to get a job and try to give the interviewer the questions you think, the answers you think he's looking for, but to interview the company and understand the management style and understand the culture and understand if, you know, how the bosses operate and make sure they don't, you know, view their employees as subordinates, but as colleagues and as equals who are all trying to work on the same project and make it successful just with different roles. So, you know, I, I do agree. It's just important. I think there can be more of those good bosses and it's a largely, you know, the, the employee's responsibility when they get in there to, to interview the company as well as have the company interview you. Well, and I always recommend that if, if I'm, you know, I teach at an MBA-level boot camp for entrepreneurs. And, you know, and I always encourage that you need to, if you do need to, uh, uh, hire that you want to hire somebody who actually interviews you as why you would want them because that's the kind of person you want on your team. You want somebody who's not going to be a, 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 a yes, sir, or a yes, ma'am. And you want somebody who is going to have a vested interest and that vested interest comes by them being respected and their opinions being heard. But we're going to go back to a crucial issue here. When you said that, you know, that adults, i.e. people over 18, should go in and be self-responsible, tell me where they learned that in their first 18 years with the, with the broken education system we have and with latchkey parenting and with passing parenting off to, you know, 19-year-old high school dropout daycare workers and how do they learn that in a system that does not teach critical thinking skills? You, you know, from somebody that right. has managed as many as 110 employees. I managed a place with 110 employees, which I know that there are a lot, much larger numbers, but that's still a significant number, 110. Um, how many did I find were mature adults? Uh, 10%, maybe, if I was lucky. That right, right. I mean, that is a young age. Right. It is, so, it is. It is a root. We're going to be right back with um, Spencer, author of Work Thoughts. 
funding you on a serious problem. And we'll be right back here on the Dr. Kevin Show. The Real Conscious Connection. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. More than 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder, and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor, and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life uninterrupted. 911, what is your emergency? My kid shot himself. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. segment of the Dr. Kevin Show here on Ohm Time Radio. Uh, and remember, this is a live call-in show. Uh, feel free to call in at 202-570-7057. That's 202-570-7057. Or if you're more of a typer, type in facebook.com backslash mydrkevin, M-Y-D-R-K-E-V-I-N. You can read all about today's guest. You can see links to his book, worksuckthebook.com. Uh, you can see a, uh, I'm hoping it was a graphically altered picture of him uh, that appeared, <laughs> and I put that in, um, and more, hear more about Spencer Borzoff in his book, Work Sucks, A Funny View of a Serious Problem, or you can ask us questions online, and we will bring them into the air, uh, on air with you. If you are listening to this as a repeat, which is repeated six more times, plus it's scattered all over the universe. You can always come to my Dr. Kevin, and you can find today's show, and you can put a question if you have it, and we will um, track Spencer down, and we'll shake him out of his prison suit that he's so lovely in in that picture, and get an answer for you. Unless, of course, the question's for me, then you're out of luck. No, Spencer. Yes. How you hanging in there, buddy? Hanging in good. I saw you had so much more to say on our last segment. So keep going. You can finish it up. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just, yes, yeah. I was just going to say that, um, you know, he who is master of himself cannot tolerate another boss. That is a Chinese proverb. 
He who is master of himself cannot stand another boss. You know, it's, yeah, it's very talk. interesting. Who is it by? I'm sorry? Oh, I said it's a Chinese oh, proverb. Chinese proverb, okay. Um, I started <laughs> to say the name. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting because there are leaders and there are managers and there are bosses. And each one brings something and takes something. And the boss might be the boss that's running the local fast food restaurant with a bunch of teenagers that have their first job and need to be taught what responsibility looks like and needs to be held accountable and needs to, you know, show, you know, show up if they'd like to move forward. Um, and then you have your managers, your collaborators, your leaders. Of all of the bosses that you did have in the over 30 corporate jobs that you left and of your own volition, things like this, what was the best one? Because you, you had to have one. What was the best one that you did have that maybe kept you there longer or that you felt empowered by? And why did you like that particular boss, even if you couldn't stay oh. indefinitely? Who was the one boss that I didn't want to tie down in a dark, dank basement next to a tray of sharp objects with a leather-clad inbred? Which one was that? Okay. I'd say I had a boss that put in on uh, that really put a premium on um, independence. I know, you know, in corporate America. Um, I, well, first of all, I was a journalist out of school. I, I wrote for newspapers, um, uh, suburban weekly newspapers, for about four years. And without making much money, um, I was recruited into corporate sales. And so, you know, that that was largely that that my career comprised uh, outside sales. And I was fortunate that you know I, I had a few bosses that um, gave me a lot of independence and freedom. Um, and didn't micromanage me and, and, you know, managed by, um, you know, by production. And, you know, they judged on production and not location. Uh, they didn't care if they saw me in the office. If, uh, if, they, if a whole week went by and they didn't see me in the office, all they cared about was, hey, here's your goal. And at the end of the month, we expect you to hit the goal. And if you did hit or exceed the goal, then they, you know, understood that you were capable and gave you all the leash in the world. And I had one or two of those bosses, and those were the environments that I stayed m the longest in and much longer than any of the other uh, jobs I had that um, had a micromanaged type of uh, a feel to them. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that, that's just priceless, um, having the freedom and the independence to prove yourself and having a boss that – um, respects that respects you as an adult and as a professional, and sees what you bring to the table. Yes, the the one of the the deaths of successful corporate structure, um, and I look at success as a win win win, where the the whatever whatever the mission and vision yep. statement of the corporation wins that those yep. people are in charge for whatever reason win and the uh and the employee wins. 
Yeah. And the customer. And, and the customer wins. Yeah. Well, I look at the customer win as part of the vision and the mission usually includes the customer, even if it's only words. Um, okay. But, yeah, the customer wins. Um, you know, that, you know, when you look at that, the, the death now to it ever being achieved at the ability that it could be is the corporate politics. The corporate politics is really horrendous. And um, and it goes back to the also the Peter principle of people being raised to their level of incompetency. Mm -hmm. um, and then how they have to cover for that incompetency. So that being said, we are in our last segment, which is Share something, share something other than what you've already shared that you think is going on in the world that's a load of crap. And where do you want to expose that crap Okay. clear it out for my listeners? Okay, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I have a few things. I guess one that I want to draw attention to that always gets my uh, – my attention during political campaign season with that fast approaching now, um, you know, all, uh, the majority of politicians campaign on, uh, you know, more jobs, I'm bringing, you know, more jobs. I'll bring more jobs um, in to the country and we'll, we'll put more people to work. And I, you know, I just think that is a load of crap. I hear it. Every single campaign season, whether it be every two years, every four years, whether it be at the local level, whether it be at the highest level for our great leader of this great country, um, I, I don't think people want more jobs. I think they want more time off. I mean, because I have never met a person who has one job who wants two jobs. I've never met someone who has two jobs who wants three jobs, and I think Anyone who wants a job can pretty much have a job. Those people who aren't, who don't have a job, I don't think really want a job. Um, and I have met, every person I have met has always wanted more time off. So I just think it's a load of baloney when they say we're going to bring in more jobs, which are, you know, low-paying jobs, uh, which are, you know, long on your feet, long hour, low-paying jobs. And... Um, I think our next president could run on a campaign of a four-day work week, and despite his vision on immigration, fossil fuels, foreign affairs, abortion, he would win the popular vote by a landslide. Now, if he campaigned on a three-day work week, then his children and their children would also become presidents one day. Well, I think that, you know, uh, I would – what I would like myself to hear is to campaign on um, living uh, living your best life and having having a job that you only have to have one of that you don't have to. I think that the income inequity is the real deal here is, and I agree, it's not about having more jobs. It's about having better opportunities. It's about yes. re-inflaming the entrepreneurial spirit. It's about leveling the playing field 
so that the, you know, guys that are getting seven-figure bonuses by laying off the poor, you know, worker who is trying to raise a family and do the best they can and, you know, but still takes their million-dollar bonus because the company was more profitable. I think that, right. you know, we, I would like to see a candidate really campaign on the importance of everybody in America getting a fair shake, everybody a getting a chance to live a good life. Because we have the wealth and the resources and the opportunities for everybody in this country to live a good life if we redistributed it better. And if we took the power away from the the egomaniacs and the power obsessed and the uber greedy that don't mind having some some poor guy and his wife and three kids living out of a box homeless because they eliminated his job so that he could buy, you know, his fifth car or his third home or whatever or get a helicopter right. with his big bonus. I think that there is a huge lack of integrity and humanity in this country today, and it's and it's masked under the foul category of capitalism. Um, yes, you know we're just being capitalist. No, we're 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 being we're being horribly out of integrity people that have no compassion for people that come from other places and other circumstances. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, we, and this isn't to say, you know, we're an advocate of, you know, socialism where we want everyone to get a little bit um, and where we're, you know, looking down on, um, you know, the ultra successful who have worked hard and pulled themselves up and, and you know, obtained uh, a, a great amount of success. I mean, that's all. That's all wonderful. Um, it it just you know shouldn't come at the expense of other people. Um, you know, and and you know, I think the government can do a lot uh, with you know reexamining the whole system. And you had mentioned who at eighteen is you know ready to be their own boss. You know, like maybe only ten percent you would seem, you know, capable of, you know, not needing a mentor or a manager. And, you know, we need to, we need to start with the system, you know, with the education and, you know, right on up and, and revamp that. And, you know, obviously, you know, the government can't, a government glider can't drop us a parachuting playboy playmate with caviar in one hand and a bottle of champagne in the other while we suck up sunshine on Acapulco Beach. You know, we're not asking for that, but, you know, maybe they can, uh, you know, make the standard work week four days and three days so we can have a, you know, better work-life balance. And maybe, you know, that would be better for everyone involved. You know, I mean, I'm an economist studying the labor, the economic benefits of a labor-based society, like Bozo the Clown's an astronaut. But, I mean, I, you know, I have some ideas that, you know, maybe it's good for all parties involved you know, an extra day off could translate into a more robust gross domestic product because we'd have additional time, you know, to spend money on gratuitous goods and services. And maybe unemployment rates would fall because companies would need, you know, would need to hire more workers to cover, 
vacated shift caused by an extra day off for everyone. So, you know, conceivably the right people could address a, a system, you know, that um, isn't, is very unbalanced and make it more balanced and not, you know, look for more jobs, but just look at, you know, greater opportunities for everybody, no matter what their background. Okay. I know at any moment now that the music's going to start playing and our time with Spencer Berthoff, uh is going to be over. You can, uh, again, find him on facebook.com backslash mydrkevin. I have a whole write-up, his website, all of that stuff. So you can do that. You can still post comments. Uh, his, you know, his book, uh, Work Sucks, A Funny View on a Serious Problem, and the website for the book. Spencer, you want to share that one more time? Yep, it's uh, worksuckstheBook.com. I just love that. WorksuckstheBook.com. Uh, that's where yep. you can find his book. You can find his book. Are you working on a new book there, Spencer? I have a sequel, uh, the concept of it. I don't have a word to paper yet, um, but it's uh, it will be coming in the near future. As soon as I, you know, as soon as I wrap up all my radio interviews and book signing and, um, you know, movie deals, as soon as I figure out, you know, which way I'm going with those things. Well, absolutely. And when that new book comes <laughs> out and we have new things come in, Please, you know, reach back out. We'd love to see what what the uh, part what the what the um, part two of this is. Uh, and uh, again, uh, Spencer Borzoff and work yes. sucks. A funny view of a serious problem, and it is uh, worksuckthebook.com. Any closing thoughts for us, Spencer? Yeah, I'd like to say, you know, upward mobility should not come at the cost of downward morality. And morality is always an interesting question, always an interesting thought, because we always have to ask, and who gets to decide what is moral and what is not moral? I think it was Noel Coward that said the rich um, – can afford to not have morals, the poor can't afford to have them, and so the middle class gets stuck with all of them. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, there we are. Have a good night. Thank you for being on the Dr. It's Kevin been a blast. Show.